y'all have heard me rave about Sight and Sound Theater's Queen Esther and Jesus. Yesterday, my family watched Noah. Um, I was just curious how they were going to fill up almost two hours with, I don't know, like three or four chapters of scripture. Um, yeah, the beginning was really rough. I don't generally ever like the beginnings of these musicals and just have to get through the first 10 or 15 minutes before it picks up. And it was kind of the same. Um, Noah honestly seemed like a 2D, you know, caricature. Like him and his family, they were so, uh, I don't know, like the stereotype of a Christian who's like, got their head in the sand, very naive, very, I mean, happy for sure, but just kind of the like, oh yeah, just trust in the Lord. And, you know, they literally are dancing and singing, you know, about how much they love Jehovah to begin the um, the musical. And honestly, like, there's nothing wrong with that. It was just very off-putting for me because um, it was just like, oh man, is this what it's going to be like, right? Is this just going to be this... I don't know. Um, I I didn't like it. It it took. I was had a very bad attitude the whole night. Um, but I don't want to dwell on that part of it because there were a lot of strengths um, to it. I didn't love the music, and I didn't love the casting. Um, but the story itself had some really significant redeeming moments. Um, so obviously the the background of the story of Noah in the Bible is with the fall of man in Genesis 3, um, sin becomes this rampant issue, right? Like it just very quickly deteriorates. One generation in, Cain is murdering Abel and being banished. Um, and then, you know, he goes and has his own ancestors and they found their own cities and um, you know, polygamy actually begins with one of the descendants of Cain. Um, and, you know, where Cain originally was a liar, right? He was ashamed of murder. Here we have a guy who boasts about murder. His name is Lamech. Um, and so, yeah, we just, we see what's happening. And so, but it's not just Cain's family that's affected. Eventually it gets to the point where God is so grieved with the sin of mankind, right? With their hard-heartedness, how every thought of theirs is turned toward evil, that he says, look, I'm just, I'm gonna start over, right? And not, and it's not just humans that pay the price. It's nature that pays the price, right? Creation, the, the vegetation, the animals, they're all gonna be destroyed. It's pretty severe, right? Like I think sometimes we tell this story and we assume because it's got animals in it that it's a children's story, but it's a really dark story. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty, like, it's, you know, we think we think about the end times, and that's kind of what this story becomes for them so long ago in history. It, they thought it was the end of the world. You know, Noah's having a grand old time, and then he hears from God about this, and he says, well, I'm going to save you and your family. And so then he gives them the idea to build this arc but at this point rain hasn't fallen on the earth 
And so, you know, Noah's trying to explain it to people and they think he's stupid, right? They think he's crazy, delusional, um, because, you know, what's rain? And you're going to build this enormous boat in the middle of dry land. Um, yeah. And again, there's just Noah and his sons to do the labor. But the context around them is really interesting because the descendants of Cain have built this city called Nod. And so in order to build this uh, this ark, Noah and his sons have to go into the city. And they've never done that before, and they're not looking forward to it. And Noah's brother, actually, uh, in this story, Noah's brother is a guy named Melech. And he's a pretty big official. Um, he basically tells them not to go but they go anyway. And when they get there, they get in trouble because um, they, they have one thing they're not supposed to do. They're not supposed to tell anybody about the Ark, right? They're not supposed to tell anybody about the coming judgment. They're just supposed to keep their mouth shut, blend in, whatever. But somebody asks, hey, what are you building? Um, like, why do you need all of these supplies? And so they tell them about the Ark and then it becomes this big um, to-do, right? This big... Uh, hassle, uh, controversy, right? So there's this guy named Lahab who's like the arch bad guy, which honestly with a name like that and with a beard bun, it's really hard to take him seriously. You can tell um, like he's supposed to be intimidating and he's got a little bit of an intimidating voice and like demeanor, but he just is so goofy looking and goofy sound. Like every time you hear Lahab, it's hard to be like, oh, well, that's the bad guy. Um, anyway, he... Uh, he banishes them from Nod. They're never allowed to come back and they can't take the supplies that they bought. So now they have to find out a new way to do it. And one of, uh, I think, yes, Noah's daughter-in-laws figure out, you know, hey, here's the resourceful way we can just use the um, what the land provides for us and figure out another way to do it. And um, Methuselah is part of this story. He's Noah's grandfather and he's a, um, yeah, he's, He's just, he's a comic relief, right? He's a, a holy man who's the comic relief. Um, but Noah's brother, he's one of the three governors of the region. And it's interesting because most versions, I feel like, of the Noah story, they go into the Nephilim and this idea of angels and seducing humans, mm -hmm. stuff like that. But in this version, one of the alternates to that the alternate interpretations of those texts is, you know, the sons of God and the daughters of men is um, talking about the, the family of Cain and the family of Abel becoming intermixed. And so that's the story, or that's the route that the people with Sight and Sound Theaters went with. Um, so anyway, instead of, instead of, my friend Frank is, you know, really, really passionate about this topic and he is very creative and in his mind, um, well, I'm not going to spoil his story, his theory, so never mind. But instead of having, you know, this like rampant idolatry and worship of, um, you know, nature, right? Like, you know, it, throughout civilizations, throughout history, there has been, um, you know, the gods have been associated with nature and stuff like that. But actually, this culture, the 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 descendants of Cain, is very humanist. They um, 
they just reject Jehovah because Jehovah rejected Cain. And so they, um, you know, they say things like there's no such thing as right or wrong. And Noah is continually um, called, you know, judgmental and intolerant. And it's very, very weird to listen to in 2020 because, you know, we, we think like we're progressing, right? And we think of the people of that era as so ignorant. They didn't have our technology. They didn't have, you know, Google and Wikipedia and smartphones. So how could they live? Um, but there's nothing new under the sun, right? And this is the natural progression of what started in the garden. Because, you know, the, the serpent didn't say to Adam and Eve, hey, worship me, right? They, he said, you will be like gods. And that's where our culture has come to. Um, so it's very dark in that sense. Like it's, it's very revealing of, um, and very indicting of our culture, right? Very convicting. And so anyway, um, Noah and his family recruit some of the neighbors to help because obviously this is an enormous task. It's monumental. The, the boat is supposed to be 450 feet long, uh, 75 feet wide 45 feet tall um again using the technology of that era and it's supposed to house all of these animals so yeah it's, it's kind of a big deal um and so they get their neighbors to help but you know you see in the in the stories of the neighbors that you know they're doing it for money right like they're they're willing to help because noah pays well but nobody really believes and even the one neighbor who does believe, he doesn't really, like, he, he goes so far as to say, hey, can I come on the boat with you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's like, I'm so glad you decided to follow Jehovah. And he's like, oh, well, I don't really want to do that. I just don't want to get caught in the judgment. You know what I mean? I just want to ride in the boat. And so he doesn't end up being allowed to come. Um, but Lahab comes back and, you know, tells the people, you, if you don't, stop helping Noah, you'll be exiled from not, you'll be banished, and um, you won't have any protection out here. And so you see people being like, well, some people are like, well, we think we're not sure if this is true. And some people are like, I don't care if it's true, right? I'm not giving up my life and nod for this guy. And so anyway, they're, they're treated like, um, I don't know, like conspiracy theorists, or something like that. Um, just as crazy people. And Noah and his family are shunned, and they have to finish the work themselves. Um, and it's it's hard for everyone, right? Because they're isolated and ostracized. They're um, persecuted. In fact, at some point, Noah's brother comes and tries to burn the ark down with Noah inside of it. Um, but then you see um, how just how hard it is for the families. I think maybe the the most emotionally wrenching part of this story. There's a couple of them, but it's it's right as the as, as they're getting into the ark and the door slams and you hear the voices of the people on the other side. Um, you know, one of one of uh, Noah's daughters-in-law, her parents have been trying to convince her, hey, leave them, right? Like, don't do this. Come on, you could have a good life with us. Don't don't throw your life away for this family, for these, you know, um, for these dreamers or whatever, you know. Um, and then the door is shut and the rain falls down and you just hear everybody just 
being like, please let us in, let us in, open the door. You know, we believe, we believe. Even Lahab says, please help me, right? Um, yeah, it's just, it's hard. It's hard for everybody because, you know, multiple of them try to go back and open the door and they can't because God's the one who shuts the door. And it's too late, right? They, it's it's perhaps the most ineffective evangelism of all time. They had 120 years of trying to reach out and nobody, nobody takes them up on it. Nobody comes along. It's just Noah and his family. Um, and it's really hard for them to know that everybody that they knew, right? Their relatives, their friends, their neighbors, everybody's gone. It's literally just them that's going to survive. And then life on the ark isn't any easier. They're on there for over a year. And it's just monotony. They don't see the sun for 40 days and 40 nights, almost six weeks. They don't see the sun. It's just, it's the same every time they look out the window. And, um, yeah, it's you know I've <laughs> I've complained about being quarantined for a couple of weeks, but this is like a true quarantine. You cannot leave. There's nowhere to go, and you're yeah. There's maybe a little bit more space, but there's also um, a lot more. Uh, there's less space per person because you have you know all of these animals, and you have to feed all of them and take care of them. And also, there's not plumbing, right? Like. Oh man, I, uh, as someone who can't swim, right, and gets motion sick and all this stuff, I think I talked about this the other day about Eustace. I cannot imagine being in the ark, right? Like, just when God called these people to this thing, it wasn't this awesome, like, uh, hey, I'm going to provide for you and it's going to be okay and, you know, you're not going to have any worries and it's going to be just this piece of cake. It was really, really hard, right? Like, nobody, lived on a boat before and here's rain and it's not just rain it's flooding so now imagine like right like every time you see rain now you're traumatized your ptsd when it rains um and yeah like you just you have this responsibility that you never imagined because all of the survival of creation rests on you and not just the, the animals but like the seeds and such to go replant trees um And at some point, the food starts running low. And they're trying to figure out, like, hey, do we have to kill these animals? You know, do we have, we have to cut how much we're feeding them? Um, and then there's this miracle of uh, birth, right, on the ship. And that's its own challenge, because now there's one more mouth to feed, right? And, you know, what do we do? What do we do? And God is not giving them advice all the time. And I think that's one of the things that we miss when we read some of these stories. We assume that they have the same access to God that we do. They don't have the Bible, right? Methuselah had given uh, Noah the record from um, from Adam to Enoch. Like, so maybe the first four, five chapters of the Bible, um, that's, that's what he had access to. And then he heard from God maybe two or three times. And that's it, right? Like God didn't speak to him for 120 years. God didn't tell him how long it would take. Can you imagine doing this task, right? Like God tells you, hey, I'm going to do this thing. And I just want you to be ready. And we're like, okay, I'll be ready. You know, I, um, I am really impatient. But I cannot begin to imagine being told to wait, right? I'm, I'm 30. 120 years is four times the entirety of my life 
Noah was 500 when he started waiting. And yeah, he didn't know. He didn't know it was going to take 120 years. He didn't know when the rains were coming. He just knew he had to be prepared. And then finally God comes and tells him in the story, hey, it's going to be a week. Can you imagine just doing, just being faithful, like with the last revelation that you have, do the next right thing for 120 years. The next right thing is prepare the ark. And then they're on this boat and they don't know when they're going to get to get out. And even after it lands, they're not supposed to leave until God opens the door. And it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's its really, you know, just the, the grief, the containment, the... Yeah. And then here's the here's the part that always bothered me when I, or I mean not always, but recently when I read the story of Noah in the Bible, is they get off the boat and the first thing Noah does is sacrifice some of the animals. Um, which I mean, there weren't just two pairs of everything, the clean animals there were seven of. So there were definitely spares, but still you just had this incredible bonding adventure at sea and now you're killing them. And now that you're out of the ark god gives humans permission to be carnivores if you go back and read genesis 2 uh, 1 and 2 um, mankind was given the fruit of the garden and the um, the vegetables but they weren't given meat they didn't have permission to do that and but now they do and so it's just very weird and shocking and yeah it was interesting because I feel like this wasn't an um, an inspiring story, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. In some ways, it was. One of the things that, one of the connections that they made explicit was there's only one way into the ark. There was one door. And then, you know, they talk about Jesus referring to himself as the door. Um, and obviously, that's the only way that we can be saved, right? Like, there are gospel writers that have made that connection uh, between Noah and, and how he was saved and how Christ is kind of like our ark, right? The the method of our salvation. Um, but on the whole, like it wasn't inspiring. It was more of just uh, sobering, I guess, of how, how bad humanity had to be in order for God to go to that extreme and how much he could ask of us, right? It, he's not just going to ask us to do things that are fun that are pleasant, that are easy. Often he's going to ask us to sacrifice and to wait. And yeah, it's just, it's the life of a Christian is not always this, um, you know, pleasant uh, frolic through the meadow. Sometimes you are crawling and stumbling through the valley of the shadow of death, but you're not just, you know, you're not being led there for your torture. You're being led there for salvation. The the cynic in me reads this and is like, really? Like, why would you do that to the, somebody who was faithful? Why would you put them through that? But the other part of me wonders, why did you even make a way? Right? I mean, sure, Noah was relatively righteous, but you didn't have to save him and his family either. And who knows if his family had any relationship. Maybe they just were saved by extension on noah's behalf like lot was saved for abraham's sake oh no right it's just uh the more i think about these things the more i read them the more i'm reminded that i don't understand god 
right? I, he doesn't think like me. He doesn't um, have the same priorities, the same desires. And to be transformed, to be like him, right, is, is scary. It's, it's a loss of control. It's a different, um, yeah. Like, it's, it's not to become more like the world, right? It's not to become more rational. It's not to become more, um, well, let me take that back. I think one of the one of the pitfalls of leaning on reason is that we have imperfect um, logical processes and we have imperfect information. We don't know everything that God knows, and we also don't have the ability to process what God knows, right? Because you know, as much as we want to believe otherwise, our logic is driven by our feelings, right? And so we're always manipulating the data not to find what it actually says but to find what we want it to say right to justify what we are preconceptions um and even when we think we're letting the data lead us right like there's there's things that we're not aware of inside of us that are blinding us um and biasing us so all of that to say that yeah i think you know it's it's hard to live in a culture where you might feel like a stranger where you might feel like an outcast um it's hard to wait on god it's hard to receive weird instructions from god and be expected to obey them at great personal cost um and it's hard to think that someday the people that we know and that we love right the people that um maybe our family maybe our friends right like we may not get them forever they may choose separation from god and we can't choose otherwise for them we can just invite them and yet this story has a happy ending too our story has a happy ending too but the middle of it the storm it's there it's real it's just not the end